welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, but we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church, to another week in our series in the book of Mark where we're taking a look at the life of Jesus and applying the simple truths that he taught us into our personal lives. This week we're going to be looking at another example once again of Jesus and his teaching to the religious elite. Now, I've called them that because there are so many different sects within Judaism that we read of in the gospel accounts. This time it happens to be that we're talking about the scribes. These are the people who are like the intelligent ones, the maybe we would consider them like the professors of our day, the theologians, the really smart guys, the ones who in theory should have understood the ways of God to the highest, utmost, uh, above anybody in the land. They were the ones who would have been the experts that should have understood and lived out the simple truths that we read. But as we will find out today, uh, Jesus really got to the point of where they were wrong. And from this story, we're going to really take an in-depth look at our own lives and examine where we may live a life of self-deception. These men had, for whatever reason, gone off and allowed their pride, maybe, and could have been other things, power, uh, self-esteem, self-worth, many things. They allowed it to dictate their own thoughts about who they were. And in all reality, they were truly far from what they thought they were. They lived a deceived life. So we'll take a look at self-deception and how that looks like in our own personal life and just really just allow the Holy Spirit to work. And so with that, let's take a look at Mark chapter 12, verses 35 through 40 today. And we'll examine these two different sections on their own, but also uh, put them together. And so the first section we'll read is a, is a question Jesus had to not only the scribes, we'll be really looking at in a moment, but also all of those who are listening and following, particularly to those who maybe have been questioning him. Last week we talked about these three different groups that questioned Jesus and tried to corner him, tried to really get him in trouble so that they could finally get rid of him. They've been trying so many different ways to get Jesus to say something, to do something that would finally get him in trouble. And of course, Jesus, as he always has, proved them to be the ones in the wrong. And now Jesus looks out to all of those listening who had been a part of all these questionings, and he asked a very peculiar question. But as we'll see, there is a reason behind it. So, verse 35 of Mark 12, I've prolonged long enough. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he asked, 
How can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? He's looking out across the crowd, and of course he knew there were scribes listening, because of course, in just a moment, he looks at them and has a really harsh thing to say to them. And so he looks out, and he says, How can these religious, astute, theologically just magnificent, intelligent men say that the Messiah is the son of David, right? How can they say that? I'm trying to understand here, people. Where are you at, is what he's saying. Then he goes into the scripture where they bring this from. And he says, David himself says by the Holy Spirit, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. That's coming from Psalm 110, verse 1. How can he say that? Verse 37 continues Jesus' words. David himself calls him Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. The Lord now referring to not only God, but the Son of God. And this is, of course, the Lord meaning David, the Lord, little Lord, the King, if you will, of Israel. That Lord said to his Lord. Right? The Lord said to my Lord. The large crowd listening to him with delight. David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? Jesus was asking this question, how can Jesus, how can I, how can the Messiah, because you guys don't want to believe that I'm the Messiah, how can the Messiah be told from David? Right? What, what is going on? How could the Son of God be also the Son of Man? How could God be God and man at the same time? I like how Guzik put it. He said that Jesus did not do the same as what the religious elite did. Now, looking back on what we read last week, you you can go back and listen to it from last week, but these men last week questioned Jesus with this harshness. They wanted to to do whatever they could to prove him wrong. So they were poking at him, prodding at him, trying to provoke him to say something that would get him in trouble. They were harsh. They were not sincere. They were out to prove a point. But Jesus didn't do the same, Guzik said. Instead, he got to the heart of the matter. And really what he was saying in this question, do you really know who I am? And the crowd was astonished. They were amazed. Do you really know who I am? Pharisees playing this game for a long time. Scribes, Herodians, Sadducees, 
You've asked me all these questions. You keep firing at them at me. But you really don't know who I am, do you? You're not getting it. You've missed all of the teachings from the Old Testament that point directly to me. You're not getting it. And then he goes into the the attack mode, if you will. And he looks out, and in particular, at the scribes. And he makes this very pointed group of statements in a very short passage. He also said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who want greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive a harsher judgment. These will receive a harsher judgment. What a, a list of accusations against the scribes, right? Remember, the scribes were the astute ones. They're the most educated in Israel. They should have been the ones who understood. They should have been the ones who got it. They knew God's word. They'd studied it in depth. They knew every last piece of it. They'd even memorized whole sections, whole books. They knew it all. But yet, Jesus knew that they hadn't gotten it. It was in their head, but it sure wasn't in their heart. They didn't put it deep inside. Because they wore long robes. God's word calls us to a life of being a servant, of being being putting others above ourselves, but not the scribes. He says that they wore long robes. Commentators stated that uh, a robe at, at this caliber, this magnificent robe, this beautiful piece of clothing was a sign of an unwillingness to work, a sign of laziness, a sign of lacking effort. They wanted to sit back and not put effort forth, other than working towards trying to get approval. They were willing to put all the effort in to get approval. Because when they were at the marketplace, they demanded greetings. Like, if you didn't greet them, if you didn't welcome them as the most prized people in the community, you would receive criticism. Maybe get kicked out for a week from the temple. They demanded being greeted. They wanted the best seat in the synagogue. So when they went into the place of worship, they were the ones who were at the front, receiving greatest praise, getting all the accolades, having everybody bow down to them in a way of showing them that they were important. They were willing to put the effort in towards that. They were into putting effort into being the places of honor at banquets. 
right? They weren't willing to serve, but they were willing to be served. They wanted honor. They wanted recognition. They wanted to be known that they were doing whatever was required so that people would see them and say, oh, look at how good they are. Look at how much they honor God. Man, they got it. We want to be like them. They wanted all the special attention. And out of that recognition, out of that, that place of being honored and, and worshipped in a way, they in return devoured widows' houses. Those less fortunate. They didn't deserve the power that they received. They didn't earn it, other than the fact that they put their efforts towards it. But they didn't earn it in a spiritual sense. They demanded it. It wasn't given to them out of true honor. It was a demand. And then they devoured widows' houses. When they knew full well, the whole Old Testament pointed to the fact that the religious people, those who were truly God's chosen, were to serve and to be humble and to honor I love how James 1.27 put it. He really summarized what the Old Testament prophets were trying to get Israel to do again. And James said, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's what the Old Testament prophets kept calling out to Israel over and over. Turn back and do what you know is right. Love those who need a special hand. Serve them. Care for them. Meet their needs. And abstain from the evil in this world. Dedicate yourself to the things of God. Well then lastly, probably one of the worst of all, is they, in a sense, paraded their spirituality out to the rest of the world. They stood up on the platform and they proclaimed out with loud voices, listen to me as I pray. This what appears to be a honoring and godly prayer to my heavenly father as I give him the glory. All the while they were up standing for all the world to see and to bow down. They demanded respect, honor, dignity, the best seat, the money, the food, while they devoured others, took advantage of those who were really the ones who were in need. And Jesus looked down and he said these words. did it just for show. All of this, all of who you are up there on that platform, scribes, as you do the work of God in the worship of God, you do it all just for show. Jesus 
echoed these same words in the book of Matthew, except he expanded upon it. And if you want to go back and read it, it's practically all of chapter 23 in the book of Matthew. I'm going to read just two small little segments out of it. But he goes into it in even more depth and, and really shows the true heart of the religious elite, not just the scribes, but the religious elites as a whole, all of them. Listen to this. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. So <laughs> that's important. He didn't necessarily say that in Mark, did he? What they teach you is true. They're not lying. They're, they're, they're teaching the things of God. <laughs> Listen to them. But don't do what they do. Because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries, right? That, that's again, their robes, what they're wearing. And lengthen their tassels. They love to, the place of honor at banquets and front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi by people. Right? You ultimate, worthy man who is of God, a direct representative of God. How honoring it is to be where you are. We worship you, right? I mean, they wouldn't say they're worshiping, but that's what they were doing. They're putting them up on such a high pedestal that they were almost God themselves. Jumping down to verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, and yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Right? You parade around acting like you're doing everything exactly the way you're supposed to, but you're not doing what I asked you to do in the first place. Care for the needs of others. Serve. You're willing to do what's on the surface going to make you look good, but the things that require work and don't parade you around and put you up on the pedestal, you're unwilling to do. goes on these things should have been done without neglecting the others right not that the other things were wrong but that you neglected what's most important the things that aren't seen that really truly matter caring for others blind guides you strain out a gnat but you gulp down a camel woe to you scribes and pharisees hypocrites you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness on the outside 
you look beautiful. You're doing everything right. Everybody sees it. But what they don't see is on the inside. It's all for show. You're not doing the things that really matter. And the only reason you do it is so that you look good and that people bow down to you. You are filling yourself for wrong reasons. What worse thing could be done than to parade yourself around as a spiritual person, but all of it is for purely your own identity. And as I thought about this, and I really processed this passage, and, and of course, Mark, where we started out, there's no doubt that they were living a deceptive life with others. But what it really dawned on me as I, I let this, this passage just sink in and, and began reading commentators and really digging into it, a word came into my mind from, from the Holy Spirit that just it impressed upon me, the word self-deception. You see, before we can ever live this two-faced life, this life of hypocrisy, that Jesus really brought about with the scribes and Pharisees in particular. It is a, a self-deception that has to happen before we can become hypocritical. They somehow bought into the lie that they were right with God. That what they were doing was indeed what God required of them. They couldn't see past that. They had lied to themselves for so long that they didn't believe anything else. They thought they were the standard and everybody had to live like them. So today I just want to process that thought for ourselves. What is self-deception? According to dictionaries and in the Bible and, and kind of just processing this all and, and making one statement I came up with it is the act of lying to yourself or of making yourself believe something that isn't really true we get that lying to yourself believing in things that aren't real I think if we're all honest we all at some level deceive ourselves and believe something is true that really isn't. And it doesn't make us bad people. But if we want to become whole, as we've talked about in the past, if we really want to become a, a person that's living a holistic life, both physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, if we want that health, we need to understand areas of self-deception. Where are we lying to ourselves, believing things that aren't true. James put self-deception this way. I, I like his straightforward way of saying things. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. I think that's really right where it is, right? <laughs> we must read it, believe it, and then examine ourselves and then do what it says 
Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror, looking at yourself. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Again, we have to look and self-examine ourselves. That's where the Pharisees got it all wrong. That's where the scribes and all the religious elites got it wrong. They knew God's word, but they didn't turn it back on themselves and examine themselves, looked into the mirror of God's word and says, am I lined up with it? And they lost it. But the scary thing is, and this can happen so easily to us if we don't have people surrounding us who can call us out, they had people looking into their life and just padding that belief. Everybody around them would not question them. They knew it all. The scribes, the Pharisees, the religious elite, they knew it all. They had it memorized. They studied it. They read it. They had full knowledge of God's word. But somewhere along the line, they stopped self-examining. Maybe it was because of power. Power got to them. And they were doing whatever they possibly could to hold on to the power. It could have been pride. It could have been the the status, what people thought of them. Whatever it was, things fell apart. I love how Jeremiah 17, 9 put it. He says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? How easy it is for us to get to that same point. We can deceive ourselves. Why? Because it's what benefits us. It's it's so important why we need to read God's word and just take time for reflection, for self-examination, and just let God's spirit work in us and not shut it down. But really let it speak to us. Timothy put it this way in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. I should say Paul put it this way to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. So they'll stop listening to the words that a person who comes in the name of Jesus and delivers a truth based out of his word, they won't listen to it anymore. They won't even listen to God's own word. How many people have we listened to where they nitpick, or not nitpick, they, they pick what they want out of scripture and, and only apply what they like, right? They only take what they want to hear and they use it. They disregard the rest. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and chase after myths. They'll tell themselves whatever they want. Believe the lies. Only take what they want. Friends, you and I can convince ourselves of anything. Whatever you want to believe, you can believe it. 
It's natural. It's natural. It is why the religious elites were questioned by God. Do you really know me? Do you really know me? And that's what I want to leave you with today. Do you really know Jesus? Do you? It's a question only you can answer. And if you do know him, if you do read his words, are you allowing his words to examine your hearts? And are you willing to say, there's areas in my life that aren't lining up with him? Living a deceptive life. Only showing what people want me to see. Surrounding myself with people who will only tell me what I want to hear. Friends, Slow down. Spend time with Jesus. Ask him the tough, hard questions and surround you with people, yourself with people who will tell you the truth and walk with you and love you even when you're in a dark place. I believe that those two things, time with Jesus and surrounding yourself with good people is the answer to fighting self-deception. So that is my encouragement for you today. Get along with Jesus. Surround yourself with a couple of people who will be real with you. Father, I thank you for this time that we've had examining your word, and I pray that every single person listening today will slow down, ask you the tough questions Where am I becoming like a religious elite? Believing that I'm okay with you, but living a lie. Putting on a front, not living right with you. Father, I pray that they would surround themselves with people who would be honest with them and help them and encourage them so that they can become who you called them to be. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today, and we'll see you again real soon.